This week's John Tapp Racing Podcast is brought to you by Inglis, number one in its field. One of the healthiest win and place strike rates among the New South Wales training ranks last season belonged to Kim Waugh. From just 211 starters, she had 47 winners, 50 placings, that's a win strike rate of 23% and a place strike rate of 46%. Kim has been making steady progress on the trainer's ladder for the last four seasons and attributes that progress to the benefits her horses are reaping from the beautiful training complex she and husband Mark have developed at Gillaby. Ten minutes from the Wyong Racecourse, six or seven minutes from the freeway. The property embraces 50 acres, just over 20 hectares. It incorporates 14 smaller paddocks, which accommodate one horse each, six large paddocks in which Kim can let three or four horses go out together. She has a treadmill, she has an arena where horses are ridden frequently, and Kim is able to spell her own horses pre-train her own horses. In other words, Kim, you are in charge of your destiny. <laughs> yeah, that says it all, John. That's pretty true. You've wanted to establish this kind of property for a long time, haven't you? Yes, it's been a dream for many years, and that's why uh, originally when we moved up from Rose Hill, mm. um, we wanted to um, get a property um, we couldn't get what we're actually looking for originally, so we ended up with just a few acres, mm. and uh, we lived there for a few years. We built a house, a lovely house on, on there, and mm. we lived there for about six years, and in that time, after the first couple of years, we seriously started looking for a farm, Yeah, and, um, and we knew what we wanted um, in size. We wanted it big enough to be able to sell our own horses, mm. and... Um, and not too far from the freeway, so it's still very convenient to get to Sydney or wherever we're going. Mm. And it took a few years to find it. We looked at a lot of properties, and a couple of them um, sort of fell through for different reasons. Um, but I think it was because this place was, was sitting here waiting for us, and um, it ended up the perfect place. You've got about six horses pre-training all the time at uh, Martoon Lodge. Now, what does this work entail, Kim? Let's We've just got, take, you, yeah. You come back from a spell with a horse. Let's say there's the horse has been out six weeks, back into work at your place. Yeah, so they spell here, and then we'll bring them up into the barn. Mm-hmm. We've got the treadmill that uh, is in the barn. Mm-hmm. So we've got three full-time staff here, oh. and uh, they'll go onto the treadmill. They normally have, like, um, just their grounding here, you know, roughly around three weeks yep. we'll give them on the treadmill. Some of them might have longer and some might have a little bit less. It depends how long I've spelled them for or mm. whatever reason it may be. Um, but they have the really good grounding. They get work six days, which is very important. Yeah. Um, you know exactly where they're up to. By the time they go into the track, I know how far off they are to mm. start going that bit quicker and three-quarter pace and whatever. Mm. So um, it, it's working really well for me. I bring horses back to the farm, you know, after they run if I feel they need it um, 
or just to freshen up and we're not even 10 minutes from the track, so it's just perfect. Mm. Now, at the Wyong race course, you've got 30 horses stabled and in work. Mm. How many staff for those 30 horses? We've got all up. We've got four riders. We've got a lot of casuals and full-time, so it works out 15 staff altogether. Mm. Um, And, uh, yeah, a lot of them have been with me for a long time, um, from like 10, 11 years and five years, one of the other girls, seven years. So, you know, I've got some really lovely staff that work for me, very loyal. Mm. Um, we've got great relationships and, um, you know, I I do um, pride myself on looking after good people and, yeah. and having them stay with me. Mm. So, um, yeah. Kim, would you rate yourself as easy to work for? <laughs> Definitely, John. (laughs) (laughs) Because you've always been a perfectionist. There there must be days you get a little bit irritable. Definitely. I'm (laughs) I'm definitely hard, but I'm very fair, you know, Um, Hmm. and I think my staff will tell you that, you know, doing the job right, we get on like a house on fire. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, I am a perfectionist and that's what makes – me um, have sleepless nights because I mm. worry about, you know, every little detail about everything. So, mm. um, you know, Mark sort of thought, you know, having the spelling property might have drove me crazy because mm. of that. Yeah. But I think once again, having good staff around you and um, really, you know, they're like your right-hand man or right-hand woman or whatever. Yeah. And it does make you be able to have that little break or whatever when you need it. Yep. Now, where practical, you like to send a horse who's just raced out to the property for a couple of days after that race. And I can just see them now when you open the gate and let them into one of those little paddocks. They would love it. Oh, they do. You know, especially, you know, when the weather's beautiful like we're having at the moment, you know, they straight out into the sun and sun baking and lying in the sun and Mm. Really enjoy it. And it, it only takes a couple of days for them to, you know, you know, they're back where you want them and you, you know, take them back into the track. And sometimes I might leave them here and have a week on the treadmill. Yeah. You know, they're all very different, so mm. I just um, work them accordingly. Yeah, great. Now, there were several highlights through the season, but I think your biggest buzz was to win good stakes races with two old horses, they're not exactly whippy snippers, but two old horses <laughs> you purchased from Lloyd Williams. So how did that come about? Yeah, that was um, that worked out really well in the end. But um, Lloyd's a friend of Mark's, and you know they talk now and then. And Mark was talking to Lloyd, you know, quite a while ago last year, and mm. did say to Lloyd, you know, if you get something, you think that's worthwhile that you're moving on um we'd love to to have a look at it and he said mm. yeah sure i'll i'll keep in touch and mm. it was most probably three or four months later he got in contact with mark and said look there's a group of horses here i'm getting rid of mm. some of them are worth coming to look at so we flew down to melbourne mm. and had a look at a few horses and um we were going to take one mm. but um we really liked Ghostland and our century when we're looking at them, and their form was quite good and lightly raced horses too. We even yeah. had the older, yeah. you know. 
and um, Lloyd doesn't over-race his horses, as you know, and um, we end up buying the two, and he yeah. did us a really good deal too. Like, mm. he really looked after us, and we appreciated that. Mm. So we got them home. We sold them very quickly to all our clients. Yeah. And... Um, well, then Ghostland won, as you know, he won the um, Anzac Day Cup at Ramwick, yeah. which was a big thrill. Yeah. And then the week later, our Central won the Lord Mayor's Cup mm. at Rose Hill. Yep. So we got such a big thrill so quickly with both those horses and uh, the owners were over the moon. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so it was it was a big thing. I love Stalin, as you know, John. I've, I've mm. always had a soft spot. I don't know whether because I train the trotters for so long and, you know, they're like training a stayer, aren't they? You mm. know? So, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, so I always really enjoy training stayers and um, so when I got these two, um, it was great. I was really, really enjoyed every part of it and they've just come back into work and Ghostland's not far off racing again. Mm. So I'm um, looking forward to, to them. And neither have any issues, Kim? No, no, they're, they're quite clean-legged horses and once again, this age and not being um, uh, over-raced and most probably not starting till later because they're both from um, overseas. Mm. I think that just makes a big difference with them. You know, they've still got a little life in their legs and uh, still keen to, to do it. Kim, I'll just get you to stand by there while we clear a commitment on our podcast interview back after this. For over 150 years, Inglis has led the way in the field of thoroughbred auctions. In 2018, Inglis again sold the most yearlings at the highest average. Last season, Inglis was number one for Group 1 wins and the only auction house to sell a Group 1 winning two-year-old. They sold four, in fact. I'm proud to align myself with Inglis, number one in its field. My guest is Kim Moore who had a wonderful season, 2017-2018, with 47 winners in New South Wales. Kim's doing a wonderful job training her team of horses from a Wyong base on the central coast of New South Wales, complemented by a magnificent 50-acre training complex at Gillaby. Well, as good as the season was last season, you did have a couple of low points, and one of them... Mm occurred back in March. You you qualified two horses for the Provincial Championship final at Royal Randwick over the Carnival. Manhattan Mist, who'd run second in a qualifier at Wyong, an uptown lad who won a quali at Hawkesbury. So here you are with two horses in the final, and in the week of the race, you find out their first and second favourites. Yes, exactly. And then... Uh, well, Uptown Lad, he did attend them, mm. so that was shattering for everyone. And um, then Manhattan Mist, he was, you know, so well going into that race. And as luck would have it, he got cast that night and mm. hurt his hind leg. Yeah. So the day of the race, walked out on three legs, so mm. um, we had to scratch him. So that was a bit of a... Uh, you know, oh, I couldn't believe it to have two no. great chances and both get wiped out. Doesn't it just show you, <laughs> you know, the, the vagaries of this game? Yes, I know. I know. Just incredible. Yeah. You wouldn't have called your property Martoom Lodge without good reason. 
This was your no. all-time favourite horse who gave you your only Group 1 success so far in the mm-hmm. 2005 Sydney Cup. What a day. On, on his way to that, he won the Mannion Cup, Group 3. Later on, he won the Group 2 O'Shea Stakes in Brisbane. And another yeah. monster thrill was to have him in the Melbourne Cup, won yeah. by Delta Blues, and didn't he run a respectable sixth? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. He, he was, you're right, he was my favourite horse of all time. He was so brave and gutsy and... He just, he won so many races and he, you know, he had a few issues along the way too. And, um, but he just kept coming back and winning. When he won the Sydney Cup, um, you know, the lead up to that, he's, he was just flying and I really, you know, was confident going into it. But, you know, you, you don't get too overconfident because they're hard to win those races. Oh, but, yeah. you know, it was, Darren Beadman rating is my favourite jockey at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, Wrote him a treat. He did, and he won really well, and that was such a big thrill. And um, we were getting married the next week, mm. so the next weekend, and I just never slept for a month. I don't think I just I was <laughs> so worried about the Sydney Cup. So I was getting, yeah. you know, the final plans for getting married, and then leading up to the Sydney Cup, two major big things for me, mm. and. Um, and even after the Sydney Cup, I couldn't sleep at all, no. you know. And we <laughs> it just went on for another week. So by the time I got to our honeymoon in Fiji, I couldn't stop sleeping. I was just gone. <laughs> Kim, I remember I had the great privilege to attend your wedding. And yes. uh, I recall uh, you made your little speech at the reception later in the night. Mm. And you yeah. had the Sydney Cup in your hand. Yes. And you didn't let go of it for two hours. You were waving it around, <laughs> brandishing it in a most uh, yeah. flamboyant way. You loved that trophy. <laughs> I did, and it was a really nice gesture. I didn't know that the guys had organised this, but they got the, you remember this, the um, the film of the race and played it on the oh, day as well, which yeah. was, was great. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Big thrill. Mm. I can only think of one other horse. Oh, by the way, just before we leave that Melbourne Cup in which you ran yes. sixth, mm. that horse, Martum, earned $110,000 running sixth. Mm. Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, Corey Brown rode him yeah. in that, and um, he said to me when he came back, gee, we're unlucky, Kim. He should have run third. He got barreled. He really mm. got flattened at about the 700. Mm. And it was quite costly for him, but he was, you know, he hit the line so well. Yeah. I mean, even to run six was a big thrill in such a big race with 24 runners and, mm. you know, um, it was, I was very proud of him that day. I can only think of one other horse who captured your heart quite the same way Martoum did, and that was mm-hmm. Catapult. He was a yeah. chestnut gelding by Luskin Star. He won 11 yeah. races. You won a Grafton Cup with him. He won a yeah. Premier's Cup at Rose Hill. And I remember Mick Dittman winning a 2,400-metre race on him at Randwick one day. Yeah. Uh, fancy a yeah. Luskin star running 2,400 as strongly as he did. I know. Amazing, wasn't he? He was an amazing horse with an unbelievable turn of foot. Mm. And um, he was most probably 
at that stage the best horse I'd had by far. Mm. I'd only had a, a very small team, you know, of about eight horses in work and just pottering along and he came along and he just really um, helped my career a bit. And, you know, because coming from trotting and changing over like I did, mm. you know, a lot of people knew sort of being trotting and but you know they a lot of people were negative on that saying oh you know because you can train trotters or drive them doesn't mean they'll be able to train a racehorse and I think mm. um, you know because I didn't have a family that was involved in racing I just mm. didn't have that racing name yeah so it took a long time to slowly let people realise that I'm I can do it and I'm a horse person you mm. know and mm. um, and you can change from one to the other and be just as good. So it just took quite a few years to do that, I think, and I just potted along and Catapult really, um, he won some great races for me and, and just a beautiful horse. Yes. And, uh, yeah, no, he was definitely my other favourite for sure. The jockeys uh, with whom you associated successfully through the season uh, were Blake Shin. Uh, Brenton mm-hmm. Avdulla, Tim Clark rode quite a few yeah. winners for you, so yeah, did Ty England. Jay mm-hmm. Ford, who spent the last half of his apprenticeship with you. Yeah. And a young fellow who seems to have really made his mark in the last 12 months, and you speak very glowingly of Jean Van Overmeer. Yeah, well, you've just basically named all my favourite jockeys there. Mm. <laughs> Good. And... Um, they're, I love using all those guys. I know they're our top jockeys, but they're they're so professional. They know their form. They're good to work with. They're great with owners. And, um, you know, Tommy Berry's just come back. He's one of my other favourite jockeys. And mm. So perhaps I get to use him a bit too. Yeah. And um, but with John Van Overmeer, like he's, he's going to be one of our top jockeys, I think. He's mm. got a beautiful... Um, personality, very mm. kind and caring mm. and great with the horses and really does try and do what you ask, you know, mm. and uh, I think that'll take him a long way. Yes, yeah. I mean, there'll be occasions, Kim, where a jockey has to disobey instructions according to the circumstances mm. of the race, but it's good For to sure. see them trying to do what you want. Exactly. And you can see that. I mean, if they try and things don't work out, you understand they've got to go to plan B, but it's never that easy. But um, mm. when you've been a driver, like you and I have, mm. you know how it works, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it wasn't all beer and Skittles last season. And back in late June, a virus hit your place and absolutely wreaked havoc. In fact, you had 12 thermometers going at once there at one stage. <laughs> we did. We, um, oh, it's dreadful. It just kept, um, you know, it sort of went, we had one horse that got a bug uh, in the middle of June and during June, and then, you know, you don't take much, you know, horse get temperatures, da, 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 and then, couple of days later, another one. It just kept creeping around the barn. And then, mm. you know, we get nothing for nearly a week. And you think, oh, it's settling down. It's going, mm. bang, another horse, you know. Yeah. And it went through and it hit 95% of my horses. Yeah. And some of them got very sick and they had to come out and um, spell, which South Century and Ghostland, were, they mm. were both of them. Mm. And, uh, you know, so it just didn't hit my babies. It was just hitting everything that um, was... 
that's what I was hoping in the beginning because it was a few babies that got sick. Um, and I thought, well, hopefully it's just, you know, the old horses can, you know, um, miss this. And uh, But it didn't. They got them all. And some got over it in a couple of days and some of them got very sick and you just mm. had no choice but to tip them out because they just went right off their feed. Mm. Yeah, it was a really stressful time. But um, that's just part of the game, isn't it? Kim, an old veterinary surgeon told me once, you really only need two basic things to be a racehorse trainer. Mm. Common sense and a thermometer. (laughs) That's very true. And I've never forgotten Look, I've never... um, I could never imagine training without a thermometer it's, mm. because you can have a horse. He can eat all his dinner that night mm. and he looks bright in the eye mm. and then, you know, just before we saddle them up, you know, they go around, we do all the temperatures first thing mm. and he can have a really high temperature. It happened last week. You know, mm. we had one with a temperature. You wouldn't have known it. He was bouncing around. Mm. He'd eaten up, but his temperature was high. It was 39. Mm. And, um, now, if you don't take that, you go out and work him, mm. and now he's twice as thick, you know. So, mm. oh, yeah, so important. It's just that, you know, it takes a minute to take them, and it's the big thing. Kim, Mark War's army of fans would want me to ask you, does <laughs> this former prince among batsmen get involved <laughs> in the training operation, or does he do what he's told and leave the horses to you? <laughs> Um, Mark, uh, he's, he does as he's told, basically. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that might be the case. (laughs) No, he's been super with me. He, he's not involved in the training itself. No, he loves all, he goes up, pats them all the time and all the rest of it. But he's not a horsey person, um, in that way, Mm. but he's fantastic with the form. He knows every horse racing in Sydney. He know he's got a brilliant memory, but much better than mine. Mm. And um, mm-hmm. he does the form, and he's been a big help to me. Um, you know, uh, when when a horse is in, he does all the form, goes through it, knows who's leading, who's sitting here and there. Yeah. And um, and yeah, he's that's where his asset is. So that's where I use it. You have a very widely experienced racing manager who takes care of all administrative affairs, and that is your great old friend, Robin Hartney. You two have been mates forever. Uh, Robin, in the intervening years, uh, she's worked for Gay, for John Thompson, for Anthony Cummings. You've now got her back on the Central Coast. Yeah, I was very, very happy the day she said she wanted to change and uh, she knew I was looking and I was just about to advertise for a racing manager. It wasn't just being too busy for me. Mm. Um, the last 12 months I've been thinking about doing it but just wanted the right person. Um, and Robin was at uh, Ramwick for John Thompson and, mm. you know, she just said, oh, look, you know, I'm just need a change. I just feel like I'd like to do this and that. And I said, well, are you interested? Because you know I'm going to advertise in the next few weeks. And she went, definitely, you know. So it was perfect. Then she sat down and we worked it all out. And, you know, she's a she's a 
great horse girl herself, you know. She's been around horses, you know, since she was a kid, and she drove the trotters as well mm. with, with her dad. But, um, no, she's she's a great asset. She's only been with me for about six months, but it's been wonderful. Kim, there'll be harness fans listening to this podcast, I'm sure, and many of them will be aware of your statistics in the trotting game. You drove 80 winners, 20 of them at dear old Harold Park Paceway. <laughs> and yeah. I can remember a lot of the horses that you drove, and I had the uh, great pleasure to drive in races with you. Oh. But there is one little mare that lives long in my memory and uh, the memory of all those who were around in that era. She won race after race after race at Harold Park. Mm. Little tiny mare called Ranji Bill. Yeah. Uh, one of the highlights of your life, surely. She'd come from last, Kim, sweep around the field and bolt in. Wasn't she amazing? Yeah. She was amazing. And tiny. Yes. Like just a tiny little thing, mm. but the cleanest pacer. Yeah. She was the most beautifully balanced uh, mare, and she was such a joy um, to drive. And... Yeah, I won lots of races on her. She was she was most probably my favourite horse, mm. not just because I won a lot of races on her, but just what she you know did in her career and and the size of her. And um, she was so willing and just never gave up. She was she was a little champion. Mm. You know, years after you gave the harness horses away, mm. you were talked into making a quick little comeback by a mm. trainer called Alan Shara. I don't think you'd been in a harness right. race for, I don't know how long, seven or eight years, maybe longer. I know. <laughs> Alan talked you into driving a horse at a Harold Park Tuesday meeting and just mm. to prove that you'd forgotten nothing, up you bobbed. Yeah, that was funny, wasn't it? Mm. I forgot about that. We, um, <laughs> He said, come on, Kim, come on. Just have this. Oh, I went, oh, okay, you know. So I think I had to see Ronnie Bottle. Yeah. about um, doing it. And he said, yeah, no worries. Well, I hadn't even driven a horse for <laughs> mm. <laughs> probably about seven or eight years. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but that was a big thrill. I really enjoyed that. I've, got, did, a, um, I've got a video replay of the race somewhere and you look pretty chuffed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was always going to get that photo, actually. I don't know what ever happened. I don't think I ever got that. I can't but, rec um, recall the horse's name to save myself. No, uh, me either. <laughs> he wasn't a bad horse, though, wasn't he? He had a good turn of foot. Oh, he won a few races, yeah. But he never yeah. went as well as he did the night you drove him. No, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kim, it's been a, an absolute delight reminiscing. Uh, you're in a yes, tough old not. game, mate. Blimey, it's a yes. tough, hard old business. It's it a sure is. unforgiving mm. and foreboding and uh, and a million and one other uh, negative yeah. things. But somehow you mm. you go with the flow, you enjoy the good times, and there have been plenty of those, and yeah. you handle the bad times with dignity. Yeah, thanks, John. I, I appreciate that. Great to talk. Thank you. I'll Bye. Be up, I'll be up to have a look at that place shortly. Yeah, we're having lunch together, remember? <laughs> yeah, I do remember. Some nice bottle of red. <laughs> oh, you beauty. You've got me. Talk to you soon, Kim. Thanks for your time. Thanks, John. Bye. For over 150 years, Inglis has led the way in the field of thoroughbred auctions. 
In 2018, Inglis again sold the most yearlings at the highest average. Last season, Inglis was number one for Group 1 wins and the only auction house to sell a Group 1 winning two-year-old. They sold four, in fact. I'm proud to align myself with Inglis, number one in its field.